Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 17, Sports Movies. Pop Culture World. I'm Chris McBrien, along with Yancey Eaton. As always, we got a great episode this week. Yancey, what's going on in pop in your world this week, my friend? Uh, well, I mentioned last week that Run the Jewels is dropping a new mixtape any day. It still hasn't come out yet, but like I'm still super, super amped about that. Uh, one of my favorite groups is Animals as Leaders. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, they're a progressive metal band. They're strictly instrumental. Um, it's one of the just most insane trio of guitarists and drummer. It's actually two guitarists, but uh, one of them, you know, they play like a six string and it's tuned super low, so it sounds like a bass guitar, but um, some of the, just the most insane guitar riffs and drumming and just syncopated rhythms and stuff like that you can possibly imagine. Their new album drops on the 11th, so I already have it pre-ordered. Um, they dropped one of the uh, one of the tracks is available on YouTube you can listen to. So I've been listening to that over and over again, which is super, super dorky. Um, they're not a big band. I don't think they're very well known, but I'm just obsessed with them. And uh, I mentioned Two Door Cinnamon Club last week. It's kind of like a indie pop group from uh, the UK. I've been listening to them a lot too, but um, other than that, not, not a whole lot of real movies. I've been super busy and uh, of course watching the World Series, which was just so, so good. It was so good to us and uh, you know, happy for the Cubs fans, happy for the Indians fans. That was a fantastic season. I'm really sad that baseball's over for the next couple months. You know, Everybody knows that you and I are huge baseball fans and stuff, but um, yeah. Anyways, uh, what are you up to? What's uh, what's new in your well, life as okay. far as pop culture? Uh, well, I started up a page on of YouTube videos of stuff that we mention here on the show. So if, if you go to popgoesyourworld.com, you'll see there's a YouTube link right there in the middle of the page. Like if you're on mobile, I think it's more down at the bottom. Um, but you can't miss it because it shows Sebastian Shaw as Anakin Skywalker at the end of the original Return of the Jedi. That's the, the, the video that we've got queued up for it. Um, so... Uh, you know, if you want to see some of the things we mentioned here on the podcast every week, like last week we were talking about Tom Green rapping and check the OR, or if you want to see like Amazing Larry and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, you can make sure to go over and check that out. So just go to popcojureworld.com, look for the link for YouTube favorites, and a lot of stuff that we talk about here on the show you can go and see. So that's one cool thing. So uh, this week uh, is, yeah, I think it should be pretty cool. And um, so yeah, this week we're going to talk about sports movies. So you mentioned uh, right off the top there, yeah, you and I are both big baseball fans. Everyone knows that from our old podcast. Um, so we thought we would be an interesting topic this week to talk about some of our favorite movies of all time that involve sports. Are you ready to get started? I am more than ready. Let's do this. Let's go. We've got Avatar, Titanic, T2. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. But here's the spin on it. Which I've never actually seen True Lies. The best scene in the movie isn't CG because it's with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Toy Story 3 made me cry. That's the one with uh, with Tom Cruise, right? Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Imagination is where the real power is. When it comes to movie magic... So before we get started, I did want to mention a couple of honorable mentions that didn't make, because we're going to do our top five list like we do every week. The ones that mm -hmm. just, a couple of honorable mentions for me, just right off the top, because I know people might, you know, might write in and stuff. Um, uh, Hoosiers, I think I'd like to mention, it just fell outside of my top five. Bull Durham, Major League didn't make my top five, believe it or not. Uh, the Longest Yard, that one's the one from 74. That's from my buddy Mike Gibbons, by the way. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, my favorite basketball movie of all time, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> but God, those are my honorable I, mentions but anyway i actually have a couple honorable mentions too. we didn't talk about doing this but i was gonna throw some okay, out good. too what do you got what do you got um the sandlot 
just missed it for me. Oh, uh, that's going to piss a lot of people off. The Mighty Ducks, another fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. Oh, yes. That was shot very, very good. Yes. Very, very good very, sports very movie. Cool. But those are uh, not quite good enough to make the list, but still fantastic films that you guys should all see. I absolutely agree. So speaking of the list, we'll start at number five. Yancey, what do you got? Take us away. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this. Um, <laughs> so number five, I, I had to include this just because of I like talking about things that had a big part of my childhood. And this movie, for whatever reason, I remember being in elementary school and it was every single time we had a substitute teacher or, uh, you know, we were supposed to have like a field day and it got rained out or anything you can think of like that. Like, say there was somebody called in like a bomb threat or something and they had to have everybody go into the auditorium. There was always one of two things that we would watch. One was Bill and I, the science guy. Well, actually, I should, I should say three. The other one was the magic school bus. And third was Cool Runnings. Oh, my. <laughs> so, with John Candy. Oh, Yes. Nice. Cool Runnings is one of the more <laughs> underrated movies, obviously. Um, I, I hope you guys have seen it. But if you hadn't, honestly, it's about a uh, Jamaican bobsled team. Um, it's about a Jamaican sprinter. He's disqualified from the Olympic Games. So he basically enlists the help of... Uh, you know, this coach who's kind of like a, I don't know, he's cast aside. He's like this dishonored coach. And uh, they start the first Jamaican bobsled team. And uh, it's it's just like one of the kookiest. I don't know. It's it, it's it's weird. It's funny. It's I've probably watched it 50 times in my entire life, you know, and it has one of the best, you know, trademarks. I wanted to get this tattooed, but I don't think my wife would go for me. But, the you know, the feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. I, I think that is like the most perfect, like esoteric comment. Like, can you imagine having that like tattooed on your wrist or something like that? People would just think that it's some sort of like, you know, really emotional kind of like, you know, like punk rock type lyric. But no, it's literally from Cool Runnings, a movie about a Jamaican bobsled team. I just love the film so much. It's, it's such a unique premise. Whoever wrote it is super, super clever. So it's some, it's my number five. Very cool. You know, when, when it first came out, um, it was like back in 93. At the time, it was the highest grossing live action film ever released by Walter Disney or by Walt Disney. You're kidding me. Yeah, no, no, because they were they always did animated films up until that point, right? So Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's really wild. Okay, so my number five. It's a football movie, Yancey. You know I don't know a whole lot about football. Okay? You I'm not know. a big football guy, but I tell you my number five movie has to do with football and it's from nineteen seventy eight. It's called Heaven Can Wait. Uh, it's based on the 1941 film Here Comes Mr. Jordan. So Warren Beatty is it. He plays Joe Pendleton. He's a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. And one day he's out exercising. He's riding his bike. Okay. And he goes into this tunnel and he gets hit by a car. He goes up to heaven. And as he's just about to go into heaven to go past the pearly gates, <clears throat> it turns out he's not supposed to be there. See, he's got this guardian angel that jumped the gun. So this, this guardian angel, he wanted to save Joe, like the pain of the crash. So he took him out of his body just a few seconds early. But since the thing is, since he's an athlete, he's got great reflexes and he would have maneuvered like out of the way. And at the last second, he would have avoided the crash. It wasn't his time to die. So the guy in charge at the gate makes the angel take Joe back down to earth and put him back in his body right away. So they go back down, but they realize his body's been cremated. So they put him in, they put him in <laughs> the body. Oops, exactly. So they put him in the body of this older kind of rich tycoon guy that just got poisoned. And so he comes to, back to life and he uses his wealth to buy the Rams. And then he moves them to St. Louis. No, I'm just totally kidding. Uh, no, he, he buys the Rams and he trains them to become the quarterback of the team and lead them to the Super Bowl. So now work with me on this. I know it sounds crazy, but it's a fantastic movie, Yancey. It is Fantastic. It was nominated for 10 Oscars in 78. Excuse me? Yep, including Seriously? Best Picture, yep. And like I said, right at the top, I'm not a huge football fan, but when it, when it comes to movies based on football, this one is my absolute favorite. 
Chris, this has completely escaped like my my consciousness. I've never heard of this film. I've never seen it. I've never heard anybody else talk about it. That's insane. Yep, yeah, I'm telling That's you, really- if you get a chance to watch it, you'll be like, holy smokes, is this ever good? You know, I think you'd really, really enjoy it. All right, that was your number five. Number five, what's your number four? Uh, so number four for me, uh, one of the greatest films ever written, IMBD is painfully low on this. They give it a 6.7 out of 10 out of 187,000 votes. Um, if there's one thing I love, it's underdog stories, and this one is a true underdog story, as it says in the title. Do you oh, know what no. movie I'm talking oh, about? Is, is it Dodgeball? It's Dodgeball. Oh, a true <laughs> underdog story. <laughs> he throws Dodgeball's the hammer just, at him, yeah. <laughs> it's just great. I mean, obviously, it stars Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm looking right now what time. It came out in 2004. Um, uh, it is a it is a fantastic film. Okay, obviously, just to give you guys like a, a little bit of a background, uh, a group of like weirdos basically they enter this this dodgeball tournament in Las Vegas. They're trying to keep their gym from being closed and taken over by like you know like the evil corporate health fitness chain that's run by Ben Stiller. And uh, so it's basically the team of average Joes is what they're called versus Ben Stiller's you know like super athletic pump tools that are called the Purple Cobras. And uh, <laughs> it's just. Uh, I'm, I, I don't even know where to start as far as like quotes or anything like that with this movie, but you know, I, I've, I've said this a bunch of times, uh, any, anytime something ever happens where like, uh, somebody does really something stupid in either real life or in a movie, or if you're watching a game and somebody makes like a, you know, like a really bad decision, I like to always say, you know, like that's a bold strategy cotton or interesting strategy cotton. Let's see if it works out for them. Um, you know, or the you know the, the trademark nobody makes me bleed my own blood. There's so many there's so many different parts of this movie. And again, like with Cool Runnings, um, when it comes to movies like this, like obviously it's funny and I laugh the entire time. But bigger scale, more macro is just the fact that it's incredibly. It, it's such a weird movie. Like the entire premise around the film is totally original. Like there's not another movie out there that's based around like, you know adults playing dodgeball basically like it's 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 just it's funny and i've i've watched it a million times i'll continue to watch it i don't think i actually own it right now but i should i should actually buy it my birthday's coming up but uh dodgeball is number four for me i mean uh it should be higher to be honest with you if, if you went by sheer enjoyment how much i enjoy watching and how many times i've watched it but um there are some other movies i think i i had to throw in there just because they are a little bit more serious i think and and, and more people kind of latch onto them but i absolutely love dodgeball well, i gonna i agree i'm gonna go with a comedy myself at this point and i agree with you that you know the comedy movies related to sports are some of the best ones uh mm-hmm. this one that has to do with golf and it's Caddyshack from 1980. I don't even know where to start with this movie. So I've mentioned before, I love the classic comedies like from the 70s and 80s. And this one makes my list for the best of the best of those. Uh, so that it's like, let's take a bunch of caddies and let's put them together with Ted Knight and Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, man, he's so awesome in this movie. Um, Bill Murray's in it. He plays like, Bill Murray's like this uh, psychopathic groundskeeper. He's like obsessed with killing this one gopher. And the thing is, it's one of those R-rated comedies that we've talked about on a previous show um there's profanity there's nudity there's there's like scatological humor in the form of a chocolate bar that gets thrown into a swimming pool it's like it is without a doubt the funniest film ever made about sports i've probably seen it more than 20 times i could watch it another 20 no doubt yancy have you ever seen caddyshack I have not. I know this is going to just awake the masses but yeah i've never seen caddyshack i'm going i'm going to challenge you to watch caddyshack and get back to me. Trust me, you will not regret it. That's my number four. On to three. What 
What is your favorite line from Caddyshack? Um, oh boy, there's a lot. There's actually what my favorite line isn't even really a line. It's okay. So there's a scene where where uh, Chevy Chase is out playing golf at night. Okay, and he's out by himself on the golf course, and he he has a shot and it hooks. Okay, and it goes into like the it goes into like the shed and it breaks a window. So he goes into the shed. Well, lo and behold, he walks in, and this is where Bill Murray. Bill, uh, sorry, this is where Bill Murray lives in this shed. He's like this homeless guy, like working on the grounds, and so and Bill Murray is there, and it's the whole scene between him and Bill Murray because Bill Murray um, has got a table and there's grass on it and he's like yeah like it's a cross between like like German Sensimia and Kentucky Bluegrass and then you can like play nine holes on it and then just get like stoned to the Jesus. And, and then they have this conversation and one of my favorite things is in the middle of the conversation Bill Murray just turns and just spits this huge hork spit like on his floor it's like that's what he thinks of his house like it's just i don't know the whole scene to me it's just just hilarious i love that movie man love it so i, I would challenge you to watch it and and uh and you'll have to get back to me on that one but uh, that's my number four so on okay. three. <laughs> so th- that actually is a really nice segue into my film because it also has bill murray and it's space jam uh so space jam is one of the more controversial films because uh it's hard to be lukewarm on Space Jam. Either you absolutely love it because you grew up with it and it had Michael Jordan in it, obviously, and it had Bill Murray and it had a ton of other you know, professional basketball players, or you hated it because it was either you, know, you were too old to get it or you, you kind of seen it as as you know really horrible writing, which I admit there are some really you know cheesy, cheesy lines and stuff like that, but I absolutely love Space Jam. I mean, anytime you can have like you know, Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and Muggsy Boggs and Larry Johnson and, you know, like I said, Michael Jordan, all, you know, against Looney Tunes, basically. You have Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and, you know, the, again, really interesting premise. They're playing basketball. They're fighting aliens, the Monstars, whatever. You know, they're defending the planet, basically, so they don't have to go off to, you know, Moron Mountain and and become basically like corporate slaves and, and you know, be like this this huge, strong attraction for another intergalactic theme park, basically. It's just a really weird movie. It's one of those things when you look back and it's like, how did this get made? You know what I mean? Like, it's like Kazam. You remember Kazam with Shaq? Oh, yeah. Man, we got to do a special on just that movie. Oh, that is a, that's a weird movie. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Space Jam. Obviously, the soundtrack is fantastic. It has like Steve Miller Band and Quad City DJs, and they got Be Real and Coolio and Method Man and um, LL Cool J. Like, like a lot of money went into this this film. You know, with licensing and getting all these professional athletes on it and stuff like that. It's just like it's just one of those films where it's so '90s. And looking back at it, like I said, there's a lot of parts that it that doesn't really hold up, but um, it's just like this per like this perfect little like time capsule of how movies like were were made in the early '90s. And you know, I don't think a movie like that will ever be made again. There was some talks that LeBron James was going to be in Space Jam too. I'm not sure if that actually got shelved or not, or if if it's going to go through production. A part of me kind of wishes it doesn't. You know you know see the light of day basically because like i said i just think that that premise was just so unique and it was so fun and um i i just love space jam and i don't care what that makes me i mean it's the type of movie where like if you go to walmart you'll look in like the the dollar dvd bins and you'll always see space jam in there like right next to like flubber but uh <laughs> I, I really love me some space jam chris yeah, there you go okay <clears throat> so my number three as you know i'm canadian so i certainly just couldn't go and list off my favorite sports movies without mentioning hockey right um but luckily, you know, it's this is not just like a token entry in the list because it is absolutely one of the greatest sports movies all time. It's about hockey and it's Slapshot from 1977. So if you're not familiar with the movie Yancey, it's about the Charlestown Chiefs. OK, so there's this losing team in this minor professional league and the team's about to fold. 
Okay, so the player coach decides, hey, I got an idea. Let's start fighting during games in order to like drum up interest in the team, like among fans, you know, in, in, in hopes of keeping the team going, right? And the player coach, it's Reggie Dunlop. He's played by Paul Newman, of all people. And you got to, you know, Paul Newman is basically a legend in Hollywood. You know, he's had an amazing career as an actor. But I got to tell you, he's never been better than he was in this movie. I, it's my opinion, it was his best performance ever. Because instead of just playing it for straight laughs, he like it's he embodies like this idea of like an aging guy that's like holding on to his dreams. You know, he dreams about success in hockey, dreams about putting his marriage back together. And the thing is, like, he knows that the stuff that he's holding on to is, is gonna fail. You know, it's just an incredible performance. It, it's one you usually don't find in a comedy, but um I don't, even as much as the movie is about kind of losers and pathos and stuff, it's also really, really, really funny. Um, there's a, in the opening scene, so the movie opens up, Yancey, it's this French player and he's getting interviewed. And the interviewer is like interviewing about different penalties in hockey. And he's like, well, slashing happened when, and he hits the guy on his shins, like mm-hmm. with, with his stick. He hits the interviewer, whacks him right on the shins. And, and the guy's like, oh, jeez. He's like, oh, no, no, you never do that, ever. You stupid when you do that. You know, some, some English pig with no brains, you know? And, and if you do, then you go to the box for two minutes, and, <laughs> and then you feel shame, and then you go free. And, you know, it's just it's hilarious. There's the Hanson brothers. You're probably familiar with them. So yep. what they do is they bring these, th- these three brothers that basically fly around the ice and just beat the tar out of everything in their path. And the best scene is the Hansons basically beat the daylights out of the other team during the pregame skate. Okay, and then everyone lines up after the fight for the national anthem, and then the ref is looking over at Steve Hansen, and he's ticked, right? So he's like, "Look at him!" And then this, and the, the anthem's playing, and he just can't hold it anymore. And the ref skates over to him, and he's like, you know, he starts he starts chewing him out. You know, he's, he's, he goes, "You got to keep your cool," and blah blah blah. And Hansen just goes, "I'm listening to the f-ing song." <laughs> what can I say? It's hockey. It is a fantastic movie. That's my number three. Is it? Is it? Is that the type of film back in, you know, Canada for you? Is it pretty relevant? Do people like it? Is it a oh, really yeah. popular film there? It's considered a classic by pretty much everyone in Canada. Yep. Because it's about hockey. And, and it is a really good movie. And, and like I say, it's not just, you know, they've made subsequent films. They've made Slapshot 2. I think they've made Slapshot 3. They've been terrible, straight to video. They're crap. Because they just don't embody all, all the values. And like I say, the idea of like a second rate, you know, lower league team trying to hold on, trying to hold on to your dream of making it as a hockey player when you know it's not going to happen, I think relates to every single Canadian weekend warrior out there that plays hockey on the weekends and holds on to his dream of being in the NHL. So I think it's just really resonates with Canadians. Hmm. Very interesting pick. I will have to watch it. I think it's on Netflix, so I'll, I'll take a look. Um, All right, so this next one, I'm going to read you really quickly the storyline to it that IMBV provides. So in the summer of 1976, a 30-year-old – 30, okay, that's old in professional sports. A 30-year-old Vince Papali is having a tough run of luck. He's been working as a substitute teacher for two days a week but has just found out that his job is being eliminated because of budget cuts. His wife gives up on him saying he'll never amount to anything and then she asks for a divorce. As As an aside, he works as a bartender and plays football with his friends. When the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Dick Vermeil, announces that he'll hold open tryouts for the team, he reluctantly decides to give it a try. Spoiler alert, he makes the team. Have you seen this movie, Chris? Um, is it For Love of the Game? Is that right? No, no. No, it's... it's is it The Rookie? It's not The Rookie, no. Oh, what the hell's the name of it? It's with... Um, oh, go ahead. Tell me. It's, it's with them. It's, it's with Marky right? Mark. Oh, it's with Mark Wahlberg. Okay, no, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I think it was in 2006. I think I had this written down, but no, I, I don't. Yeah, it's 2006. Uh, it's called Invincible, and it's literally like like it says in this. It's about a, a 30 year old guy who was you know kind of like a a big deal in his in his hometown. You know, in high school, he was a really good athlete and stuff like that. He could run really fast, and he still plays pickup football games and stuff with his friends. But his life is kind of going nowhere, and you know. By some act of faith, Dick Vermeil, who's like this West Coast stud, you know, he's this stud head coach. He decides that, you know, being the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he's going to hold open tryouts. It was more so just to like as like a publicity stunt to kind of, you know, fall in good favor with the town to show like, hey, like, you know, I, I you know. I respect you guys and I'm including you guys in this and stuff like that. I understand that this is your team. I want to give you guys a chance. And long story short, he actually makes the team as a 30 year old walk on playing on mostly special teams. And, uh, it's, it's just like a perfect sports film because it, it, I think it encapsulates a, what a lot of people do where, um, at least, you know, guys and stuff like that. I think anybody from age 20 to 40, where you had a little bit of, uh, athletic ability in high school and for whatever reason either you weren't you know talented enough or you got injured or you decided to start a family or your professional life got in the way everybody still kind of dreams about being a professional athlete like chris i mean if you could be a professional hockey player or a professional baseball player i mean you would jump at that opportunity in a second you know what i mean Absolutely. and like this was this was an actual true story where papali basically did it you know like i said a 30 year old guy who was a substitute teacher working in a bar he tries out for a team and he makes it. I think he ended up playing like three years. You know, he he even scored you know a touchdown at one point. I mean, it's just like the perfect the perfect build up. You know, to something like a, a scenario that is so far fetched that is probably never going to happen again. But it did. It happened once, and uh, it's just nice to dream on stuff like that. So, um, I kind of saved like the goofball movies for you know my five through three. Uh, this one is obviously like a really just. It makes me feel good inside. It makes me. As corny as it sounds, like it's like super encouraging, not just from like an athletic standpoint, but kind of just like, hey, you know, I can overcome a lot. Like I can do some great things if I really want to. So Invincible is my number two. And I really want you to see it if you haven't seen it, Chris. OK, cool. Um, OK, my number two, like I always thought that there's a real connection between boxing and film. There's something special about boxing that just it just translates well to the big screen because yep. there's always drama inside and outside of the ring you know and thematically you've got issues like masculinity and like pushing physical limitations and mental strength the, the pursuit of the American dream and all that other stuff like so th I think there's a lot of good examples of great boxing movies out there there's Million Dollar Baby Ali and probably the biggest ever in Rocky right but my favorite of all time is Martin Scorsese's masterpiece Raging Bull De Niro has given some incredible performances throughout his career. Guy's a legend, right? But he has never been better than he was as Jake LaMotta. The title says it all. He's got this ferocity that like propels him in the ring, but the thing is it also drives him outside the ring as well. And the two worlds are completely intertwined. Like he's got this blinding jealousy like regarding his wife. In one scene, his wife says to him, she makes a comment that one of his opponents is good looking. Jake beats him literally to a pulp in the ring and turns to the crowd and just stares at his wife. It's oh, it's oh, in, oh it's intense. The boxing that scene, is savage. The boss, the boxing <laughs> scenes are the best ever shot. The camera, the one thing that Scorsese does is that he takes the camera right inside the ring. So unlike Rocky, if you watch Rocky, it's shot from outside the ring and low. In mm -hmm. this movie, the camera's right inside the ring, and they used 
different size rings too, depending on the shot that they needed. Like they used, they had an overly small, tiny ring that they would use to give the impression of like claustrophobia at certain times. And Scorsese even uses like huge rings to give like the impression that the ring's bigger at times. He uses just really slightly different film speeds, like a play up tension in the scenes. Like, you know, you, you know, usually it's 24 frames a second, but then he goes to like 30 or 36 frames a second in some scenes. The, it's, it's amazing. The film's about jealousy and fear and self-esteem. Boxing isn't even really the subject of the film. It's just the vehicle that's used to convey the emotions of the story. It is incredible. Number two. Mm. That was a very artistic way of you putting that, Chris. Oh, oh thank you. It's an, it's, an art, it's an artistic film. It's shot in black and white. came out in 1980, but they shot it in black, black and white. It's black and white? Yeah, they shot it in black and white for that reason, to be artistic as well, and to really play up all the metaphors of the black and white of what's going on. It, like, you want to talk about artistic, man? you got to see Raging Bull. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I like The Hurricane a lot. I don't know if you've seen that with Denzel. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I, it's, it's, it's good. It's good, but it's no Raging Bull. Yeah. It, it is funny what you were talking about, though, with, like, boxing movies. Like, for some reason, like, that that's one sport that does translate really well. Like, it does. I mean, there are so many boxing movies out there, and even if you think it's not, like, a fantastic movie, it's still, like, immensely watchable. Like, just boxing in general. Like, for some reason, I think because, just because it's so it's so primeval, it's so tribal, you know what I mean? It's just, like, one dude against another dude. Yep. And I don't know. I just I've, – I've always been able to relate to it. I used to love, like, boxing books and stuff like that when I was a kid. That was, like, my thing, which is, like, really weird. But um, anyway, so my number one film – uh, it came out whenever I was 12 years old, so in 2000. Uh, I was actually playing Pop Warner football, and I loved this film. And uh, I remember we were getting ready. We were undefeated at the time. I think we were like 6-0 and or 7-0. and And we were playing a really, really good local team that were kind of like our rivals because they were one of the closest teams in our area. They were the Fort Myers Rebels. We were the Riverdale Wildcats. And uh, our coach told us, Coach Derry, he says, you know what? If you guys can beat the Rebels this week, I will take all of you to go see this film. And it was Remember the Titans. And uh, it's (laughs) – I I get goosebumps thinking about it just because it's – you know, we we ripped off that film so bad. All the all the chants that they do, the the pounding on the uh, you know on the knee pads and the shoulder pads and stuff like that. You know, doing cadences and stuff with each other. All the chants and stuff. Like we literally ripped it from this movie after we saw it, and you know we that that carried on for two or three seasons afterwards. Um, I, have you seen the film? First off, uh, no, I have not. Believe it or not. Ah, Chris. Sorry. Gosh. Sometimes I just get so disappointed in you. I just don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I have that effect. <laughs> well, Meanwhile, I haven't seen like any top 100 film like ever. But anyways, yeah. um, so with the, remember the Titans, basically it's it's based back in 1971 in Virginia, and these schools were still struggling in the state of Virginia with segregation and having to you know basically reintroduce you know split schools basically with you know black and white people, and um, so for the first time this year, uh, two schools because of budget cuts had to merge together. And as a result, you had an all-white football team and an all-black fo- black football team that basically had to become one football team. And the white football team, or um, I'm sorry, the white football players were basically upset because, you know, obviously if you have two teams, that means you have two head coaches. The white head coach, who was like a multi-state championship winning coach, was basically like forced to leave because of, you know, affirmative action or maybe that's not the right word to talk about, but just segregation laws in general. They implanted this black head coach to be the, you know, the head coach of this this school so people are pissed off obviously um so it's all about like um 
you know, basically learning to accept people who look differently, uh, you know, than you as brothers and stuff like that. And there's just so many like really powerful scenes. Like um, he's super, super hard on these guys during camp and stuff like that. And he's just running them to death and uh, they're still fighting and, you know, they're, they're refusing to sit next to each other at lunch and there's hazing going on and there's just a, a ton of just racial tension and stuff. And so he takes them on an early morning run and they're running for miles and miles. And, you know, you can, it's really starting to beat up on them. And then all of a sudden they are at a Civil War graveyard. Um, and you know they had they had left for camp. I don't think they were actually you know in their hometown. Whatever they had left to go to to camp and stuff. And I think it may have even been Gettysburg. I can't even remember. But long story short, they he took them to the site of a Civil War battlefield. And as soon as they see that, they know. And it's just like this, just incredibly, just transcendent moment because he's basically telling them like the stuff that you guys are fighting about now. This was already fought for. You know what I mean? Like there's there's so many things that like we could be working on together and building on like we don't have to keep fighting this fight it was already fought and there was already a winner you see what i'm saying and uh like these dudes go from being you know just complete enemies mortal sworn enemies sitting on opposite sides of the bus sitting at different lunch tables to becoming like brothers where like they're telling each other that they love them and just i mean it's like the it's the ultimate just uh it's it's the ultimate feel-good movie chris i mean i get I literally get like shakes. I get like this like tingy, you know, electric feeling whenever I see this movie because like, you know, I, I played on a, uh, just as a little bit of a background, I played on a football team where I was one of only three white kids. Um, and everybody on my team, we were a really, really, really good local Pop Warner team from all levels, you know, from the little, little kids playing flag football all the way up to the seniors, you know, who I'm talking about, you know, multiple championships and stuff like that. And, you know, it was honestly one of the best things that ever happened to me because these were super, super competitive people that loved football, that took it seriously from a very, very young age, right? Like this is, you know, I live in the deep south. This is where football is religion. You know what I mean? And it made me like incredibly, incredibly just hungry all the time as an athlete. And uh, I'm rambling at this point because I just don't want to stop talking about it. But it is such a beautifully well done movie. Obviously, it stars Denzel Washington. It has Will Patton as a as Coach Yost. Um, there's there's a bunch of other actors in it, like uh, Donald Faison from uh, uh, I just forgot what's the what's the Clueless. Uh, no, from well, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yep. Scrubs. Yep. yep. Nice job, Chris. You're so damn sharp. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's it, it's just such a great film. I'm, I'm not going to keep rambling about it, but uh, it, it's one of my greatest films. It's one of those ones where I don't like to watch it a lot because this sounds super corny too, but I like for it to remain special. So I don't watch it like repeatedly all the time. Um, that's kind of like Friday Night Lights too. That almost made my top five, but man, is it is it a good movie? So that's that's my number one is Friday Night Lights. Very, or, good, very good pick. Remember the Titans. Yeah, remember the Titans. <laughs> oh, that's a great pick. Okay, so for my number one, um, as many people might already know from us talking you know, previously, I love baseball. And so no real surprise, my favorite sports movie is going to be about baseball. There's been a lot of good ones. I mentioned Major League earlier. Man, the movie's so funny and eminently quotable. No two ways about it. Um, but to me, no movie better represents baseball in its purest form than Field of Dreams. And I know some people have said, like, it's corny or it's trite or it's sentimental. Mm-hmm. That, that whole idea that, you know, if you build it, he will come. It's not about building a baseball field so that Shoeless Joe will come back. But instead, it's so his father will come back and he gets to play catch with him. I know it seems totally hokey, but I love it. And the movie, to me, embodies baseball it, it, because it moves along slowly but deliberately. And it brings complete strangers together. And it's about themes that are bigger than the game itself. Like when Doc Graham, Moonlight Graham, when he gets the chance to go back in time and play baseball again and get a second chance at the game he loves, 
But then he's forced with a choice because he has to decide if he's going to cross back over to help the little girl that's choking. And when he crosses the white line <clears throat> and he saves the girl, it's bigger than the game, right? He turns back, you know, like he, he turns into an old man again and he walks back onto the field. He walks past all the ball players, and they all thank him and they're all paying their respects to him. And they're like, oh man, really good job. Good job. Way to go. And then Shoeless Joe says, hey, you were good. And you know he's not just talking about the kid being good at baseball. He's letting him know that he was a good man and he led a good life. Man, mm -hmm. I, I'm getting verklempt. Oh my goodness, talk amongst yourselves. Oh jeez. I'll give you a topic. Dancing with the stars has neither dancing nor stars, please discuss. It is an it's an awesome movie. It, it just I love it. It's like I say, you think it's sentimental, but it hits me. It, it it hits all the right notes for me. It's just a metaphor for the game of baseball. I absolutely love it. It's my number one sports movie of all time. Okay, well, it's time now to mess with the millennial. Yancey, are you ready to handle some Trivia questions about sports movies this week. I am ready to greatly disappoint our listeners. Yes, I'm ready. All right. Well, let's let's go. Fun with Yancey. Okay. In the history of the Academy Awards, Yancey, three sports films have walked away with the Oscar for Best Picture. Name just one of them. The Wrestler. I'll give you another shot at three movies have taken home the Oscar for Best Picture. Can you name any one of the three that, that are about sports in any way? Rocky. Right, congratulations. There we go. I give you a second chance and you got it. Yes. Rocky in 1976, Chariots of Fire in 1981, and Million, uh -huh. Million Dollar Baby in 2004. I actually should have known Million Dollar Baby because my wife and I were just talking about her. Yeah, and when that's 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 from your time, right? Okay, so I'm going to give you an easy one for you. So it's a softball lob, all right? Okay, so in Moneyball, Billy Bean is the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. Correct. The movie ends with Billy Bean meeting with which other MLB team? The Red Sox. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, all right. In, in the 1976 film Rocky, which, as we know, won Best Picture Oscar, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so in Rocky, what was the name of the champ that Rocky Balboa fights in the climactic final scene of the film? Uh, <laughs> I really should know this. This is, like, so bad. Uh, I can't remember. What is it? Apollo Creed. Yeah, I knew oh, that as soon as okay. he said that. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll stay with Apollo Creed here for a second. Carl Weathers, okay, mm -hmm. played Apollo Creed. He also appeared in another sports movie in 1996. This time, he played a character named Chubbs Peterson. Can you name the movie? Chubbs Peterson. Chubbs Peterson. Mm, I can see his face. I can see his character, but I can't remember the name of the movie. Damn alligator bit off my hand. Oh, it, it's, it's not Happy Gilmore, is it? Yes, no, no, no. it is. Yeah, it's it's Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. Yes. In this 2005 movie, you should be able to get this one, Yancey. Right up your alley. Okay. 2005 movie. In this movie, the script actually called for the Boston Red Sox to lose the World Series. However, after the team won the World Series in 2004, the script was changed. Can you name the movie? Is it Fever Pitch? Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Shazam! Whoa, breaking the goods. So you, <laughs> obviously, you obviously saw the movie. You saw Fever Pitch? Um, I did. I think I saw it in theaters, actually. Yeah, it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. It was corny no. as hell. You, you know what was a good sports movie, though? Uh, No, what? The Fish That Save Pittsburgh. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> at C. McBrien or at Yance Eaton on Twitter. Chris or Yancey at popgojaworld.com. 
Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music